That's a lot of Jimmy to begin with, isn't it? Shake that off a little bit. Shake it off. Um, you know, we're, we're going to continue our series, What Made Him Different. And I, I'm so grateful we've been able to do this series. And we've been looking at things about Jesus that made him different than the culture that he lived in. What was it that stood out and why? And then what's it mean for us today? What are we supposed to do with it? And sometimes I think we've hit these hard topics that I, I know that they have been difficult for some, and it's like, man, you've given me a lot to think about. Are you just trying to frustrate me? And the answer is, yeah, because I, I, I'm frustrated sometimes. Jesus lived this, this countercultural life, and it's hard. I get it. But to this week, I figured, you know what? Since we've already tackled some hard things, why don't we just keep going, right? Sound good? Yeah, yeah some of you are like, not again, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what we're doing at the end of the month, so let's just keep going. It's fun. Um, and, and what we're going to talk about today it might be actually a little bit what made Jesus different. It would be harder for us today to understand this than the culture that Jesus lived in. It wasn't so different, more different for us, but how Jesus lived it out is what made it different. I'll explain what that, I mean by that in a minute, because today we're going to be looking at miracles and deliverance. Miracles and deliverance. Oh, yeah, I see that. Oh, we're doing this? Yeah, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do. Um, you know, when I talk to my friends uh, who do not know Jesus, they don't go to church. Um, I, I just love hanging out with them. When the topic of religion or faith comes up, you know, they're always kind of looking at me like, well, you got the answers. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't, but um, I have the answer. But when the conversation of Jesus comes up, I love asking them, well, tell me, what do you, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? And I think in what's funny, in our society, most people, they never argue if Jesus historically existed, right? There's, there's too much documentation out there to say, oh, this guy, you know, it's just a made-up myth and all that. There's way too many um, documents and, you know, just way too many things that point that this man actually walked on the earth. The divide comes with, so you actually believe he was born of a virgin, never sinned? and died and rose again like okay now we've got some areas that there's some disagreement but it's never did he exist so when i have these conversations i say well what do, you, what do you know about jesus like tell me what what was jesus about and a lot of times they they give me the you know he, he was he was a good guy and he helped a lot of people i mean he healed people and and if they were on the outside he kind of brought them in uh he did a lot of good things Right? These are things that people talk about when they talk about Jesus. He helped people. He fed people. And what I love about these conversations that I get to have, and it's just so amazing to me, is because they are explaining what we are talking about, but they don't understand that's what they're explaining. They're explaining the parts of his life about his miracles, the deliverance ministry that he had. And these two parts of his life, however they have passed down the line, have stuck with us as humanity. They have stood out that he helped people. And what's interesting is they also stuck and they stood out with the region, in the region that Jesus lived. And because they stood out, people, this was one of the main reasons they went to follow him. You know, he told stories, but he also did a lot of things 
to help people who were hurting to feel better, to help people who were hungry have full bellies, to help people who were depressed find healing. And the, what's cool is, is the Jewish faith has room for this. Okay, the Jewish faith actually has room for miracles. They believed in miracles. They believed in deliverance. And, and you know, when I say those two things, I know that we're probably in different pages together. So I feel like it's important. When we say miracles, when I talk and say the word miracles, what I'm simply meaning is that there is some event or experience with absolutely no natural or scientific explanation. Okay, there's something that happened that you cannot explain logically, scientifically. It's like, wait, what, what? That's what I'm talking about when I talk about a miracle. When I talk about deliverance and when we talk about that this morning, we're going to be talking about being set free from the oppression of demons in your life. Being set free from the oppression of demons in your life. And, and I'm not talking about that metaphorical thing that we always say when we're like, oh, I'm just battling those demons. And we don't really mean demons. What we mean is bad habits or, you know, just a bad routine. I'm talking about actual spiritual beings who attach themselves to humans and influence them. I know that's probably a little weird to hear. Like, this is what we're going to do today? Yes. What's interesting is the Jewish faith actually had a lot of room for miracles. They, they practiced deliverance together, probably a lot more than you think they did. So when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts doing some of these things, it's not an abnormal moment for this faith and for this region. Maybe the difference for him wasn't just that he did it. It was that he believed in these miracles and that they actually happened. Because many times, in, when it comes to miracles specifically, the uh, Jewish tradition in that area was they believed in miracles, but they did not see them. Okay, they believed in them, but they didn't see them. They said, we, we think these things happen. We, we know the promises that Isaiah makes and Jeremiah makes. And we know all these things that Joel says, but we don't necessarily, we haven't seen it. We're waiting for it. We're praying for it. But you know those prayers where it's like, uh, heal this in Jesus' name, amen. It's not really going to happen. And, and like, they, or they wouldn't say in Jesus' name. <laughs> they wouldn't say that. They believed in miracles, but they didn't see them. So for a second, instead of me just listing off a bunch of miracles, can we have some fun together? A little bit of interaction. You okay with this? Yeah. Okay, good. Ben's excited about it. That's what we're going to do. Um, if you're online with us right now, I'd love for you to join in with this. I want to know, what were some of the miracles that Jesus performed? The things that you're like, oh, he did this kind of thing. Um, just, you know, start shouting some out to me, and we'll, we'll kind of pick one or pick two. And if you're online, drop them in the comments. We have someone who's here who is going to kind of like, you know, read them out for us. And you could go ahead and start putting those in. So you, what, give me a miracle. Casting the demons out of the guy in the tomb and sending them into the pit. Okay, so we've got the garrisons. We're not going to call that a miracle. That's going to be deliverance. But hold on to that, Ben. We're going to hit it in a second. Not yet, but that's, that's going to be demon-oriented. But let's talk about different miracles. Give me a miracle. Healing the, blind man. Healing the blind man. This happened all the time, right? There was people who could not see, and Jesus would pray for them and sometimes spit on them, which was weird, uh, and like rub mud in their eyes, which was weird. There's a lot of these stories. I'm like, yo, he's just, that's weird. Can we like, agree that's weird? But they could see afterwards. Do you think they care how it happened? No, you do whatever you want. If I could see, this matters. And when he heals blind people, what this tells us is that Jesus is Lord over our bodies and Lord over sickness. What else did Jesus do? Healing the Roman centurion's uh, daughter from miles and miles away. 
oh man, Jesus healed someone's daughter. This actually happened twice. He healed a kid when they came to him and they said, would you pray for my kid? He's like, or would you come see my kid? He's like, I don't even need to. And he would pray for them and from afar, they would be healed. What that tells us is Jesus is not just Lord over healing and over our body, but over space and time that he doesn't have to be present to see this happen. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. What, what else? What other miracles do we see Jesus do? Lazarus. I was waiting for this one, right? And it's not just Lazarus. Jesus raised multiple people from the dead. This is a miracle, and it shows us that Jesus, while he was living, was already Lord over death. Now, each of these people would still die because they're mortal with sin in their life, and that's what causes death, but he was Lord over death. How cool is that? Do we have any online that are coming through? I want to make sure I'm sensitive. Oh, the feeding of the 5,000. So good. Feeding of the 5,000. Um, this actually happened, I think, like two or three times with a different number of thousands of people, and people loved coming to see Jesus. It was like, yo, free meal, potluck, I'm in. Um, you know, they were all about it. But what does this show us? That Jesus is Lord over material things, over the physical that people needed. He was Lord over this and could do miraculous things in this. Any, any other ones? Okay, well, Ben, I've heard from you a couple times. I love you. No more yet. Healing people's mother-in-laws. Miracle all around, right? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Um, oh, calming the storm. Uh, Jesus is Lord over nature. You know when the disciples are freaking out in the boat and they're like, oh, we're going to die. And he's like, come on, for real? How long have we been doing this? Be quiet. And he says to the, to the wind, the waves, everything calms down. And they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to, like, this is too much. Jesus actually dealt with nature. He was Lord over nature. We could keep going on this. He walked on water. Um, my favorite is, uh, you know, did you ever see the miracle when he cursed the fig tree when he's going into Jerusalem and this thing withers and it's like, is that a miracle? Yeah, it wasn't supposed to happen. Jesus is actually Lord over judgment. Not just Lord over all these things. He's Lord over judgment. That's not for us. And we could probably keep going with this. And there's lots of stories, which it, it just, every time we do this, it reminds me of what John says at the end of his biography of Jesus in chapter 21, verse 25. Uh, this is what John says. He says, Jesus also did many other things. And if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. I mean, who knows what he didn't record, right? It's so amazing to think about this. But what made Jesus different in the culture that was around him was that while they believed in miracles, Jesus demonstrated them. Okay, while they believed in them, Jesus demonstrated them. And when he started to meet people right where they were, people began to find hope. People began to find healing. People began to find redemption. And so more people kept coming to him and his following continued to grow, which frustrated the garbage out of the religious leaders of the time. And over and over we see these priests, these Pharisees, their jealousy begins to rise. They get frustrated because Jesus didn't just teach about these things. He did them. I think this is true in our culture more than we'd like to, to admit, is that we're, we're kind of okay if people have crazy ideas. Sometimes we're like, oh, that's just what they're like, whatever. They could think those things. They could say those things. But the moment people put things into practice, it gets real, right? And we, we, we get a little frustrated at that. It's an issue. 
And so with Jesus, he didn't just teach it. He did it. And then not only did he do it, he called his disciples to do it. And guess what they did? They, they did it. Look at what he says at the Last Supper, continuing in John, actually back about seven chapters in John 14. At the Last Supper, he says this to his disciples. He said, just believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work that you've seen me do. Right? He, the work is he's talking about miracles here. Just believe in me because of what you've seen, all these miracles. Then he says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask me for, or you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, for a second, think about this is the end of Jesus's ministry time. He's with the disciples. All these miracles, walking on water, healing, you know, people who can't see, can't walk, uh, raising people from the dead, multiplying food, all these things. He looks at his disciples who would, and knowing they would abandon him within 12 to 24 hours. And he says to this group, anyone, anyone who believes in me can do the same works, even greater works. It seems a bit overwhelming, doesn't it? It seems a little wild. Like, the miracles, really? If I'm a disciple sitting there, I'm just, I mean, you know me, it's going to be candid. I'm thinking, yeah, uh-uh. You do those things. I, I can't do all those things. I'm just Jimmy. Or it would be, I'm just James, and it would fit. Right now, I can't do this. How am I supposed to do what you've done? I can't handle that pressure. And so Jesus, almost knowing what I believe I'd be thinking in that moment, he, he continues in verse 15, and he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, one who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you to all truth. And Jesus starts this encouragement out with, if you love me, listen to what I'm saying. Obey what I'm saying. If you love me, you're gonna have to really do what I'm saying. And he doesn't leave the disciples to figure it out on their own. He says, I'm gonna give you an advocate. And the word in Greek here is, is uh, it really comes down for the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a Greek word that means someone who comes alongside or someone who helps, who comforts. And over the next 60 to 70 years, you can read about the disciples and how they lived this out through Acts, that they actually believe what Jesus said, that all the things that Jesus did, healing the sick, raising the dead, dreams, visions, prophecy, speaking in tongues, even teleportation. I know you're like, teleportation? Yeah, Star Trek style, right in the Bible. It's, it's in there. It's great. This is the things that happened. This is what they did. But what's great news for us is this, the, the disciples actually believed what Jesus said. They lived it out, and then they taught everyone who followed them that Jesus was serious when he said this, and then they began to do the same things, praying for healing all the time. They would pray for dead people to come alive, and these gifts and these miracles from the Holy Spirit continued. Now, this made them different as well. At Crossbridge, I will tell you that we believe nothing has changed from what we read 
Jesus says when it comes to the miracles that we read, nothing has changed. We believe that Jesus still does miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit and that we get the privilege of being part of that as his followers. I know that not every church believes this. I know that there are some here that you come from traditions that have taught that these miracles have stopped, that they have ceased because the, when the apostles died, the church age has ended and these gifts are no longer needed to demonstrate God's word and his authority. And so they don't exist anymore. If you do not have a church background, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Um, let me make it simple for you just so that you're on the same page. Really, when it comes to the miracles that we read, there are two camps. Some churches believe that there are no more miracles. These are called cessationist churches. Other churches like Crossbridge believe that miracles continued through the power of Holy Spirit, through the believers that follow him. These churches are called continuationist churches that they've continued. Without getting into church history lessons, and I wanna stay as focused as we can, the reason that we as a church believe that these miracles have never stopped is because Jesus never said they would. He just never said they would. And the disciples never taught that they would. They taught, this is what you do as a follower of Jesus. So we lean on his words from John 14 that simply say, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit to do these gifts and these greater works. And throughout church history, we see that happening. And I will tell you, we see miracles in Crossbridge. We've seen, when we did uh, just a time going through James 5 to pray for people, we've seen God heal people. There are people at Crossbridge who have dreams, who have visions, who get prophetic words. And if you're thinking like, oh, this is one of them churches, are you freaked out because you didn't even know what was happening around you? But the Holy Spirit's moving amongst us, encouraging us, building us up. And I think that if you picked up the Bible without ever having any context to it, you would be very hard-pressed to find a way to explain that these gifts should not exist today. I just don't think you could do it. it. You would really have to jump through some hoops to say, they're not real. I like the way that Jack Deere puts it. He's a pastor and he says, speaking to unbelievers who don't go to church about a God who heals is fun. No one's told them that God doesn't heal. You have to go to church to learn that God is no longer healing. <laughs> that hurts a little bit. I'm praying that you never learn that here. The Pharisees around Jesus believed that miracles could happen, but they never saw them. Their belief was in theory. It was not in practice. I want to be different like Jesus at this church. We want to be different and live out our faith through the Holy Spirit because we believe that each of these miracles, they brought hope, they brought healing, and they built up the church. So miracles are something that he practiced, which frustrated everybody, but the other side of the coin was deliverance. And how many of you have ever heard that term before, deliverance, okay? It sounds like uh, it's just a weird term that we use, maybe depending on your tradition, you would also call this an exorcism. That brings up like bad movie th thoughts to me, and I get scared, I don't like that. Um, but just to make sure, again, we're all on the same page with this, because miracles, it's like, all right, cool, Jim, we could talk about that, but the moment we get into deliverance, you're like, oh, I don't want to, this is, what do you, what do you mean? When I say Jesus practiced deliverance, I'm talking about he set people free. He set people free from the oppression of demons in their life. Actual spiritual beings, evil beings, who attach themselves to people and influence them.
we read a bunch of different stories of Jesus encountering demons. And so, again, let's just have some back and forth here. Uh, ben, give me the first one that you mentioned again. Yes, he goes to the Gerasenes. This is uh, Mark chapter 5. He goes across the lake. As soon as him and the disciples touch base on the shore, um, a dude comes running at him like crazy, um, ready to like, what, and it just jumps at his feet. And in this moment, uh, Jesus brings freedom from this oppression because it was actually thousands of demons that called himself legion which with many and jesus casts them out into the pigs that are on the field the pigs all jump off and commit suicide which is again very weird and people in the town freak out they run away and they make him leave <laughs> um yeah okay that's a good one not that it was a good one but you know what i'm saying okay um if you're online you could drop them in the comments as well um we're going to be kind of any other ones jesus dealing with Demons. Yes, the boy would throw himself. Um, this is uh, Mark 9. He, yeah, dad comes to Jesus and he's like, there's something wrong with my kid. He keeps trying to harm himself. He's throwing himself in the fire. I don't know what to do. Uh, and, and, Jesus, and he's like, so if you can, can you heal him and deliver him? And Jesus looks at him. He's like, if I can? Like, of course I can. And, and the man says, you know, I do believe, but you got to help my unbelief. And that's when uh, Jesus brings healing to this boy. But what's wild is the disciples tried first. Do you remember? Disciples tried to deliver this boy first from this demon, and they couldn't. And Jesus says, this one only comes out. This type only comes out with prayer and fasting, which tells me there's different types of demons. Which, okay, if you're, that's... You believe demons, if you didn't believe demons exist, now I'm just blowing you with your mind with like, hey, there's multiple types. Okay. Um, so yeah, good one. Again, not good one, but good story. Any other ones or any online? What was it? Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. We know she was delivered, it says, uh, from seven demons. So now there's numerous, again, there's actually about seven different times that we read, at least seven different times that Jesus comes into contact with demons. Um, and what's funny about it is it's both with the Jewish people and with the Gentile people, non-Jewish people. And before you write this off really quick and be like, oh, that's something that people dealt with back then, back in the olden days when demons existed, before you try to logic it away or ex explain it to me scientifically, can we just pause for a second? For a very long time, we have been a culture that's been divided into the spiritual and the natural, and the two do not coexist. It's scientific, and this is the way it is. And for many, many, many decades in our culture, in our country, they've been divided. But I will tell you, something has shifted in the last 20 years, and we are far more spiritual now than we have ever been, that I can remember. Uh, and, and that's only 40 years, but something has happened in the last 20 that we have become more spiritual. As a whole... We're a culture who's asking about the spiritual world. We believe that the spiritual world exists as a culture now. And not only do we believe that it exists, we actually believe it, we can interact with it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to ask, but I haven't seen it. I don't know if I will, but the new Doctor Strange movie that just came out tapped right into this. It tapped right into the spiritual more than any other Marvel movie has tapped into spiritual. I... I have seen reviews, I've heard so many people, both from inside the church and outside the church, tell me the same thing. This was a really spiritual movie. Now, 
If you go to church, you may say spiritual and mean one thing, but that's not what either are saying. It's a very spiritual movie. Well, explain to me what you mean. It just felt like there were demons everywhere. It was like a very demonic movie. I'm like, oh, so you have this terminology. You understand. We as a culture understand this. Our kids, our teens, our young adults, this is the soup that, that we sit in and it's usually us as adults who are logicking things away when our kids are battling like crazy. This is the culture that we live in. It, I think it was like the first weekend it opened, Doctor Strange made $185 million in the US and I think it was like 450 million worldwide. Conversations about witches, warlocks, sorcerers, mediums, they are not as surprising as they used to be. So when we talk about the spiritual world, we say this all the time, but when you do mention demons, it gets a little weird. And for those of us who get logical, they live in third world countries. They left when we inhabited America, right? They're no longer here. We don't have totem poles anymore. No, we have cell phones that we worship. So do not be misled. We are plagued with demons in our country, in our culture. Demons with the names of anxiety, fear, and suicide. Division, sexual addiction, self-harm, demons of isolation, of confusion, of control. And yes, I believe that these are actual evil spiritual beings waging war all around us for our souls. And this is something the Jewish culture knew and understood and they believed in this. They actually had rabbis who would do deliverance. They actually practiced this in their synagogues and helped people get rid of demons. The problem was is that they often came back, and the difference for Jesus was that when he cast out demons, they never came back. There was a difference in the way that people found healing and hope after they encountered what Jesus brought to them that these rabbis could not bring. And a lot of times they had special words and special incantations. Jesus brought freedom. And, and you actually get a really cool picture of this. Uh, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 19, we have the apostle Paul who's hanging out in Ephesus. It's like his favorite city. He lives there. He loves it. And he starts to, uh, miracles start to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. And in Acts chapter 19, we see that, that deliverance and healing is happening. And then in verse 13, we read that a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. You see how this is part of their culture? Like this is written right in, it's normalized. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus, it continues in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. We have spiritual people using special spiritual words in hopes of casting out demons in this passage. And what this passage doesn't mention is that as these people went town to town, they would be accepting money to help people cast out demons, that they would be cleansing their houses, that it would be like a, a four charge. And so these seven brothers come together and say, we've seen Paul do this stuff. And he uses these words. This is great. I'll use the words. And then things happen. It's happening for Paul. I'll use those words. Uh, and, and it's not even in here, but come on, Christians, followers of Jesus, how often are we just using someone else's words instead of letting God speak truth to us? We're just leaning on something else. God wants to speak directly to you. You don't have to rely on something. Like, he wants to speak to you fresh words. You don't have to just repeat old things. But that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. 
And so these guys lean into the last half in Jesus' name, right? But they lean, they miss the first half of Jesus' command of, if you, if you love me, obey my commands, and I'll give you anything you ask in my name. And they're like, we like the anything you ask in my name. Don't like the obedience part. Well, that's going to come back to bite them. Here's what happens in verse 15. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. What happened? In a 1v7 match, the man with the evil spirit went to town on these guys. If you're a betting man, that was not the right, you didn't place the bet in the right place, I am sure. Even the phrasing of this makes me uncomfortable when I look at it. He attacked them with such violence. These seven brothers were messing around with something that they did not understand. And to be honest, the tragedy of the story is not that the seven guys got wrecked. It's that this man received no freedom. After this story, Paul writes a letter to the church after he's left this city. And this story has happened and he says to them, in Ephesians 6:12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Jesus understood that the world around was hurting, that you and I would be here 2,000 years hurting. And he didn't spend his time fighting with people. Instead, his battle was against the powers of a dark world, and this is what he has called his followers to do. As followers of Jesus at Crossbridge, we believe that this commission that he has sent the disciples out on is a commission he sends us on. Our calling is to go and make disciples, to set captives free like we have sung. And I hope that you understand that I'm being as clear as I can and I am serious when I say that I believe that demons exist like some of you here today, I know that you believe this. I know that for me personally, I've come face to face with demons. I've smelt sulfur on breath, seen eyes turn yellow. I've seen them in combat. I've heard their lies. I've seen unexplainable things. And when people realize that I'm not joking when I say I believe this, when I'm not joking saying that I've dealt with this, if they are followers with Jesus, they almost, ask this, they almost always ask the same exact question. Can you guess what that is? Can Christians be possessed by a demon then? If this is real, can, am I at risk? Is there something that I, like, what about me? I'd answer yes, but I don't really like the word possessed in this. Possessed is very strong, and, and I don't really know how to answer that. And so the better question, I think, is can a Christian have demons? And the answer, I think, to that would be yes. Yes, we can. I know personally that I have been delivered from demons. In the last six months, I have walked through this, and I have never found more freedom, hope, and joy in my life. And if you're like, oh my gosh, my pastor's that messed up? Yeah, so are you. You see, we pick this stuff up because we open up doors to the enemy I've also walked alongside and done deliverance over the last 20 years with some of the most amazing followers of Jesus that I have met. If I had the time, I would tell you story after story. 
stories from high school, stories from college, stories from other churches that I've worked at, stories that remind me of what Jesus says in John 14, that I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works. Do you actually believe the words of Jesus? Because this is what we're called to do. This is what we are commissioned to do. So what made Jesus different is that he actually lived out what he believed, what he said. The world is broken and needs miracles to heal it. It is consumed with darkness. It needs light. And he led by example through miracles and through deliverance and then commissioned his disciples to go and bring freedom to those in bondage. And this made them different because they were no longer playing around with religion using fake incantations that someone else used. This was real for them. They just didn't talk about Jesus. They knew Jesus. Their understanding of God wasn't theoretical. He was personal. They received healing. They received deliverance. And they brought that to the people that were around them. And so as we wrap out what made him different, I, I, I didn't even have a conclusion written down for the most part in here because I didn't know where this was going to land. And I feel like in this moment, for some of you, you're sitting here and you're thinking, that's uncomfortable, even the idea that demons could exist and that there's this real battle. And, and if Jimmy believes this, either he's crazy or there's something that I'm not addressing, and it's probably a little bit of both. I know that, but I will tell you this, that you will not hear us stop talking about this here because my life is different. I, I long for you to experience freedom from the walls that you bang your head against and you're thinking, why can't I stop that? Why doesn't this end? And it's it's because you can't habit this one through. You can't power through man up, woman up, and just get, this one is a block that's demonic. Does it mean people are flopping, going? No, 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 no. It happens sometimes in scripture that way, but that's not always the way it happens because the God who is in us, the Holy Spirit who is in us is way more powerful than the spirit of this world. We walk in a power and authority that, that, that the enemy has no chance of defeating and we walk around like wimps instead. We walk around fearful to pray for people because what if they don't get healed? Then we look like an idiot. When did this become about us? We walk in fear of confessing our sin because what if someone knows and that sin is what holds us and demons are latched into that going, you're all alone. You're the only one who deals with this. So don't confess it. So much of our pain so much of our anxiety, so much of our worry and our hurt is tied into these things. And what good would it be if we held the keys to the kingdom of heaven that God says, I'm giving to you, Jesus says, here they are through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're like, yeah, but I'll keep the keys in my pocket. I don't want to walk anyone else down. This is weird. Shame on us. For those, your mind is being blown a little bit right now and you're not sure what to do. I understand and I'm thankful you're here and I hope like every other time you're asking questions, you wanna go, Jimmy, I think you're wrong. Can we sit over this? Yes, I would love to. I would love to. Some of you may be feeling things bubbling up going, what? Maybe that's something more. And I wanna say, okay, cool. We wanna pray with you. We wanna pray for you. This is who we are as a church. We believe that God brings healing. I believe that he brings sight to the blind. He will help those who can't walk to walk. I haven't been asked to pray for the dead to rise yet. I don't know what I would do if it happened. I'd probably pray what that very man prayed. I believe, but God, you've got to help my unbelief because there'd be a lot of that. 
but I'm willing to look like an idiot for the sake of seeing miracles for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we want to do, and this will make us look different. But if it makes us look like Jesus, that's who we want to be. Amen? Would you pray with me as Jeremy comes up to lead us in communion as we close? Holy Spirit, I ask in this moment that you would bring illumination to our hearts. You would shine lights into dark places and where the enemy has latched on through lies, through habits, through hidden sin in our life. Holy Spirit, would you bring deep revelation to things in our journey, in our life that we have been terrified to confess because we fear that you won't love us. I think of the, the conversation we're gonna have in a couple of weeks and, and God, I pray a release from the bondage and the shame for those who have been in the situation of having to make a choice about an abortion or not and, and, and God, there's shame that the enemy has put on there. Lord, would you, Holy Spirit, release them from that shame that they would receive your true forgiveness for those who have been partners with those people and, and Lord, would you release them from shame for those right now, God, that there is hidden sin that they just can't confess because no one will understand. You understand and you've bore them all. So would you bring freedom, not shame? Would you bring healing, not hurt? The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. You have come that we may have life and life to the full. So we beg you for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, would you do miraculous things in this church through your people for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.